chapter 31, verse number 10, appropriate for this morning. We're looking at Mother's Day, and especially women as uh, virtuous mothers. And we're, we're taking a look at <clears throat> this morning the example when we're looking at mothers and, and uh, how that God honors those who honor him. We're looking at victorious, or I'm sorry, virtuous Ruth. And we're going to be in the book of Ruth in a little bit. But first, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you help us as we look into it. Lord, especially as we honor mothers today. And we look at the... Uh, the institution of the family and the position of mom, which is so very vital. And Lord, thank you so much for designing families and children and, and for each one of us to grow up underneath the care and love of a one who loves us unconditionally and faithfully. Lord, thank you for that. We, we do truly thank you for our mothers today, some that are alive and some that are not. Lord, we, we uh, thank you for uh, the blessing of moms. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us, mothers, fathers, children, all of us, Lord, to, to uh, uh, follow that virtue that we can uh, be called a godly person, a believer who loves the Lord, and especially, Lord, for our moms. Lord, I pray that you just bless them and help us, Lord, as we, as we look to uh, the position of motherhood here this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Someone said, it's not easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. <laughs> and I've tried being a mom. It doesn't work very well. I just, but uh, God has, has, has designed moms to have the heart and the disposition and the, the ability to multitask. Oh, man, I can't multitask. If I, you know, I used to try to like, work on my computer or whatever, while my wife comes in the room and begins to talk to me, and I'll do two things at once. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> She'll get me every time. So I've learned when she comes in, I shut it down. I look at her. Because <laughs> I don't know what it is about men, but they can't multitask like, like women, especially with kids. And then when they're doing with multiple kids, oh, man, one kid is, you know, so much work, two kids, it's not twice that. It's like, it's like multiplied, uh, you know, on top of that. Three kids, forget it. <laughs> and then beyond that, I don't know how, I really don't know how women do it. But uh, God's given them uh, an ability and a knack and a love that only a mother has. And especially when we're talking about moms, godly mothers, virtuous mothers, as uh, King Lemuel's mother said, who can find a virtuous woman? This is rare. For her price is far above rubies. Proverbs 31, verse number 1, if you go back in that chapter, this was written from a mom. Her son was King Lemuel, and she was writing to warn him of a few things and to remind him of her love, but also to identify and if those of you that are familiar with the Bible, the Proverbs 31 woman uh, is, a, is a, an example, somebody that, is, uh, that takes Christian virtue and values and, 
and has lived it and displays that and, and is valuable because of those things, the, the virtuous woman that is dealt with here. Um, she's writing this for her son in Proverbs 31, verse number 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. And then she goes on. Mothers have been instructing their children for their protection and their prosperity ever since God established the home in the Garden of Eden. Lemuel's mom, in the previous verses that we just read, she warned her son of things that would destroy his strength and his reason. Ungodly women, verse number three. Alcohol, verse number four. In the latter, latter part of that chapter, she's dealing with a woman and, and telling him, identify what a virtuous woman is, and son, get one of those. They're rare, they're important, it will make all the difference in your life. So she's warning him about things that, that are uh, um, to be cautioned about. And uh, verse number four, of course, she deals with alcohol. Why any believer wants to mess with that which is so detrimentally labeled and warned against in Scripture is beyond me. Proverbs 20, verse number one says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23, 31, the instruction is clear in this passage of Scripture, talking about all the woes that come from uh, being under the influence of alcohol. He says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. He says, Don't even look on it. Stay away from it. So if you want to be a dummy and not wise, or a raging fool, or eaten up with sorrows and woes and violence, and live your life more like the scum of the earth rather than leadership or royalty, then I guess go ahead. But in the passage of scripture that we began with, Lemuel's mom is telling Lemuel, now listen, you're to be better than that. You're to be noble. You, you know, you're, you're, you're to avoid these things, and she warns him about those. But this message is not about alcohol. The focus is, is not about drinking or that kind of thing. But women, godly ladies, mothers who hold the greatest influence to their families, their churches, their societies, than anything else. So Lemuel, Lemuel's mom instructs her son to steer clear of a certain type of a woman. She says, be careful in, in her ways. She says, uh, give not thy strength unto women. And that's the type of woman that she's trying to warn him about. The type that would diminish character and destroy kings. Ungodly women. I know that these are rabbit trails maybe, but uh, things that need to be addressed and heeded. Let me say this right here. Young people, pay attention to the guidance of your mother. Pay attention to the guidance of your parents. I will not perform a marriage ceremony of a young couple who don't have the blessings of their parents. Under normal <coughs> circumstances, a godly parent has the best guidance that you'll ever hear. A good part of the book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of a parent uh, of his or her children. 
Proverbs 1.8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Because a mom gives instruction to her children. Because she loves him, her. She, she desires the best for her, her kids. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Oh, and by the way, uh, this mother and this father that Solomon was talking about was his father, David, and his mother, Bathsheba. Wow. Talk about instruction from a life built out of total failure and destruction. What a start. They weren't perfect, but you know what? God used them, and God used their instruction for their children, for Solomon and, and uh, the kids. There are, sometimes I, I speak to people that have an animosity towards their parents because they were not perfect. <laughs> uh, there are no more of those parents, by the way. Just done run plumb out of perfect parents. There's no such thing as perfect parents. But their counsel, especially on advice concerning the opposite sex, is invaluable. Listen to the urgency of the counsel to their son in Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now here the parent is warning the son to be careful because of the wiles, be careful because of the temptations, because of the, the outward, the surface. It says, be careful. It's a trap. There's, a, there's a, a, something that you need to be concerned about here, and it's concerning loose women or ungodly women. And he, he says here, she says that, hey, her, her, uh, um, she might be uh, beautiful or sweet or smooth. Verse 4, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Again, the instruction of a parent to a child. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou at the last, thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. It's talking about here, um, certainly STDs, that kind of thing. And you say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teacher, nor teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Many a miserable person wakes up years after the trigger was pulled with such regret. And those, they're saying those very things. Why didn't I listen to the instruction of those that loved me? So, before we move on, young people, pay attention. Pay attention. 
to your parents. Pay attention to your preacher. Pay attention to the word of God and, and, and godly admonition. <clears throat> and uh, since this is Rabbit Trail Sunday, <laughs> what about verse number eight? We just read that. It says, remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. And it's talking about a loose woman, talking about a woman with, with uh, temptations and, and advances. And he says, now listen, if you have a problem here, if, if, you, if you're prone to fall here, then just don't go near her house. Don't walk down the, the block on that side of the street uh, in the sidewalk in front of her house. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? That's not sin. But... Wisdom says, stay clear away from it. Hey, that's, that is, that's some great advice. Don't even get near temptation. Sometimes we kind of figure that, hey, well, you know, I'm not sinning. A pastor, we're not sinning. We're just engaging in this and that. And, and we're not going all the way. Right, but you're, you're, you're uh, uh, foolishly tempting the flesh. You're going to fall. You're going to get close to the fire. You're going to get burned. So it says, Stay clear away from that. Hey, make a wide berth away around sin. Don't get near it. Okay, anyway, getting back on track. Uh, the warning, especially pertinent today, is the warning about the wrong kind of a woman. And here parents are telling their children, hey, watch out for an ungodly woman or, or a woman with, with desires or intentions. And uh, it's uh, 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 a caution the kind of a woman that pulls others away from the Lord and his instruction. Wicked women, like wicked men also, are a dime a dozen, as Solomon informs us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 25. He says this, and this is uh, Ecclesiastes, is written by Solomon, uh, known as the preacher. He says, I applied mine heart to know, uh, to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter. Now, this is after his life, after he's lived his life, after he's been off the beaten path, gotten away from God. He's, he's dabbled in things that he should not have. And he says, this is, these are my experiences. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Who pleaseth, who pleaseth God, whoso pleaseth, pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Oh, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions." It's because of our sin that we find ourselves in the, in the to dangerous ground. But he says, what he, he's warning up here, he says, listen, you know, I'm, I'm searching for integrity, I'm searching for godliness, and what he's saying is very, very rare to come across someone who is virtuous, someone who loves the Lord, someone who, who will truly help others and guide people straight according to God's uh, principles and his instruction and his direction. Wow. Talk about a shortage of godly women. Godly women are rare. They're rare. You, you remember uh, young King Lemuel, his mother says this about getting a good woman. He says, Proverbs 31.10, she said, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. That means 
She's uncommon. She's rare. She's a valued commodity. She's telling her son, son, search for a virtuous, get you a good one. I trust I'm speaking to a congregation of mothers and young and old who love the Lord and are godly and have dedicated their lives to influence their loved ones toward the Lord and toward virtue. Thank God for those that care about these things, care about the things of the Lord. You are rare. You're a virtuous woman. And listen, I know the ladies of this church and those that, that truly love the Lord and want to guide their, their children in the proper ways. You are uncommon. You're valued. You're loved. And you're appreciated today. I want to say that. Very much, very much appreciated. See, women have the potential of being extremely wicked and vile or extremely valued and holy and cherished. Outside of these doors, the culture parades girls and women today who have no care for righteousness or modesty or virtue or godliness doesn't mean anything to them. They're a dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. Beautiful, hot, painted, dressed to kill, well, yeah, maybe, but common. According to the word of God, worthless, vile, dangerous, disrespected. Proverbs eleven twenty two. this is good. I, I love this verse here. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. Fair meaning a beautiful or, you know, pleasant, physically uh, a looker, you know. A fair woman, but she has no, dis no discretion, no godliness. Get a load of that word picture. Talk about an assault on the senses, the eyes, the ears, and the nose of a, of, <laughs> of a, a swine. <laughs> When I was a kid, I, the, the, being a, from Chicago, I didn't, I didn't have much farm experience. You know, my experience about pigs were um, Charlotte's Web, you know. <laughs> Wilbur, <laughs> you know, Wilbur, this cute little pig, you know, and had friends and whatever. And my dad says, hey, we're going to go to the farm and we're going to see, you know. And I, th I thought he was talking about like, the zoo or whatever. Hey, cool. We went to the farm and we saw where they raise pigs. You kind of you knew that you were coming on the, on the property about a half a mile from the place. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't want to get out of the car, you know. You go and trump through all this junk and you're in back there in places, and, and here's this big old sow that's wallowing in sewage. And, you know, oh, oh, ah, just big, ugly. Uh, it, it put the ug in ugly. It was, that was, oh, man. Can you imagine a giant, and there was, it was big, it was huge. You imagine a giant pig like that with a nose ring, a diamond-studded nose ring. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> no, actually, um, the, the ug and the ugly and the stink and the stench and the everything else would far overpower the, the diamond stud, wouldn't it? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. The diamond node stud is not going to increase the appeal of the sow much. And the fairness or the beauty 
of the ungodly female is really not going to increase her value much. No, no, the assault of the impression of her lack of character, the stench of her influence way overpowers the beauty that she tries to showcase. Ah, but the virtuous woman, a godly woman, a lady with character, now that is treasure. And every lady here can be a virtuous woman. Ladies, you ought to, you ought to uh, uh, aspire to being said about you that she was a virtuous woman. As a matter of fact, the godly woman, and today our focus is upon godly mothers, the godly mother, the godly woman is a priceless treasure. Ruth was counted to be more valued to Naomi, her mother-in-law, than anything that, she, that uh, her mother-in-law could have ever had. And we're going to take a look at, at Ruth and her life in Ruth chapter 4, verse number 15. This is what is said about uh, Ruth to her mother-in-law, which lost her, her sons. She shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is, which is better to thee than seven sons. This gal, Ruth, was considered a virtuous, matter of fact, she was called a virtuous woman. You remember we're talking about how rare, they're rare and they're uncommon, they're treasured, they're valuable, very, very uh, uh, um, valuable. Ruth was a virtuous woman. She was called that by others. So let's take a look at her life in, in illustration of a virtuous woman, what a virtuous woman is, and, and how that Ruth was, became a virtuous woman, what made her a virtuous woman, and which could uh, uh, help the ladies here to, to become, to display, to exist as a virtuous woman. What a great romance that we find concerning Ruth and Boaz. This is one of the great romances of the Bible. She was the widow of Naomi's late son. You know the story. We're not going to get into that, the background. But although that Ruth was a Gentile, she was from Moab. She watched her mother-in-law, who illuminated a clear testimony to all in that dark land. Naomi was a believer. Naomi knew the Lord. Not real sure about Elimelech, her husband. Not real sure about her sons. There's nothing that shows godliness. There's nothing that shows uh, uh, the following the Lord from, from her husband or her sons that passed. God killed all three of them, or uh, I say God killed. They, they passed in the land of Moab. They got out of God's will, got away from God, and here they are in, in a place where, where there was just nothing but, but blasting. Now, Naomi didn't have the power of direction at those times because she was underneath the, the, the direction of her husband. She followed her husband. She was a good woman. She followed her husband, and her husband says, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, but honey, are you sure? Honey, this is what we're going to do. This is what I'm deciding. I've made my mind up. We're going into, Mo into Moab. Yeah, but that's away from God's will. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm, listen, the business is good over there, and we could really, you know, we could, we could flourish there. So anyway, she, she goes, follows her husband there. After her husband dies, and then her sons, one after the other, the firstborn and then the next one, they, they take charge and say, well, now I'm the one, that, the man of the house, and I'm making the decisions, and I'm saying we're going to, hey, it's time. Let's go back to, to uh, 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 
the, the land of Israel. Let's go back to, to Bethlehem where we we're from. Uh, I've heard that God is there and God is visiting his people. No, no, you know what? Business is good. We're going to keep here. And so the, the, the next son uh, made those decisions, died. The next son made those decisions and died. So finally, when Naomi gets to make those decisions herself, after a wavered husband and two sons who refused to follow the Lord, Naomi finally got the chance to return to the Lord and return to his blessings when she was able to call the shots for her own life. And that's finally when she did. When she left that heathen land, going back to the blessings of being close to the Lord, being close to worshiping God and his people. And that's where we find the clearest form of a total commitment and the word of God that you'll ever find. Orpah had that surface, shallow profession that didn't stand the test of time where while Ruth, her sister-in-law, she came to trust in Naomi's God. Let's take a look at it. Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 10. She's, Naomi's deciding to go back to, to Israel, go back to the place of blessings, get back to get connect, reconnect with the Lord, and she's leaving, and she has nothing. She just has those two daughters-in-laws that lost their husbands, and both of them, the Bible says in verse number 10, Ruth chapter 1, verse 10, they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Bad idea. Daughters, I, I can't promise you anything. Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope. If I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and they wept. Now, here at this point, she's saying, listen, I can promise you nothing. We've, we've come and been here in the land where uh, your, your nation and your people, you're familiar with that, you have relatives, you have a place here. I'm going back to, to honor and worship God, and you're unfamiliar with that, but I love the Lord, and I'm going back there. And, and, and so here they're saying, no, we'll come with you. And she says, listen, I can't promise you anything, so she's going to leave. And so they, they weep again. And look what the Bible says, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. This was, this was a kiss of goodbye. Okay, you're right. Goodbye. And so the last embrace, she kisses her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods, little g. You know, idolatry there. She didn't know the Lord. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, here's, here's that, that uh, a commitment. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught, if anything, but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, 
And she left speaking under her. She didn't try to convince her to go back anymore. She says, okay, let's go. And so they two went back. Ruth had no second thoughts, no promise of anything, no bed of roses, no sure future. But she did have a total commitment, a steadfastness, a resolve, a decision, and she made God to be her God. She says, listen, this is my decision. This is what I'm doing. And so she did, and she couldn't be dissuaded. Well, they both go back to Jerusalem where a kinsman operated a large farm. And they had hope of a meager existence in appealing for benevolence. They were uh, found as beggars or gleaners in the field. The, the, the farm workers would come and, and uh, harvest the field. And whatever was dropped, whatever didn't get into the baskets or whatever, uh, the, the poor people could come by and they can kind of pick up the fragments. And so that's what they did. They, they, they thought, well, here, a, a, a distant relative was, was there and he'd allow us to stay in the, those fields and, and glean. And the guy's name that owned the farm was Boaz. He was a single wealthy farmer and he notices Ruth. Throughout, Ruth conducted herself prudently. And if you notice their conversation in Ruth chapter 2, verse number 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. That's hard. That's tough. And he recognized that. He's saying, wow, that's a, that's a great commitment. You're, 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 you're out of your natural habitat here. Verse 12, he says, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, of God, uh, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. He could see that she was trusting in God, even afar off. He didn't know her very well. He just, she was just one of the people that were there, and they had conversation, and he, he heard about her. And he said, she's got a great testimony. And she's helping her mother-in-law. And she's, she's trying to do what she can to, to bless her mother-in-law. And, so, uh, and, and he realizes that she's jumped ship. She's no longer an idolater. She's trusting in the God of Israel. She's trusting in this new walk to honor the Lord. Naomi assesses the situation. She sees the possibility of a connection here, and she goes into Cupid mode. <laughs> uh, it seems like all women have a little bit of a Cupid in themselves, you know. And so here she sees what's going on, and okay, now her single daughter-in-law, uh, and here's this, you know, Boaz, who is a kinsman, and there's a possibility. I mean, it's a long, it's a long shot, but there's a possibility. So she goes into Cupid mode, and, and Ruth chapter 3, verse number 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Uh, behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. And so Take my advice. Pay attention. Listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to help you out here. He says, she says, verse 3, Wash thyself, therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, <laughs> and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until she have done, uh, till he have, shall have done eating and drinking. Notice that Naomi understands that they're trusting God but she doesn't discount the power of the, the girl's beauty. She says, wash yourself, anoint yourself, 
you put on some good clothes here. She did what she could to present the model in the right kind of a light. <laughs> anyway, so, and she's, she's, she's sharp. She's sharp. So, but like I say, that's not what they're trusting. They're trusting in the Lord. But she's saying, hey, listen, let's, uh, you know, do what we can here. Well, as the story goes, <clears throat> Boaz falls in love. And uh, we're not going to go any further in, in that because that's, you know, about Boaz and all. But this story is about Ruth. Boaz falls in love, but for all the right reasons. When intentions are fully disclosed, we see how this relationship was constructed on a firm foundation of righteousness and trust in the Lord. In Ruth chapter 3, in verse number 10, read along with me. And he said, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed, he's talking to Ruth here, thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. That's important, folks. She's not going after this and that. Her heart's not taking her here and there. She's not, you know, no, no. <coughs> hey, she's, <coughs> she's disciplined here. <coughs> he's, she's, he says, you, you're not following after, you know, this guy and that guy. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a, what? Virtuous woman. Virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I, tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part, but if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then... Will I do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth? Lie down until the morning. And so what he says here was, okay, now there's some, some technical steps in the way, and, and this might not be God's will, because this man might go ahead and, and uh, do the part of a kinsman, redeemer, and that's a whole other story here. It says, but listen, it might be God's will. And if we see that God moves that off to the side, then, as he says, as the Lord lives. He's, he's trusting in the Lord and trusting in, in his direction here. He says, hey, you never know what could take place here. But he called her a, a virtuous woman. So what are the characteristics of Ruth that defined her as a virtuous woman? You remember Proverbs 31.10? Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Remember, uncommon and rare, a valued commodity. Ruth displayed virtue in four areas. Ladies, pay attention. Like I said, every woman here, every young lady here can be a virtuous woman. This is what made Ruth a virtuous woman. Number one, she had total commitment. We saw that in verse number 14 of chapter 1. You remember where she's committing to her mother-in-law? The Bible says in verse 14, Ruth clave unto her. She stuck, she, just like glue, she says, I'm not leaving you. I've decided. I'm going with you. Verse 15 uh, you know, when uh, Naomi tried to say, listen, your sister-in-law's gone back, you go to, and, and she says, nope. In, uh, in verse 16, Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, where, where, where thou lodgest, I will lodge, thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried, and the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death, Part thee and me. The Bible says the next verse, she was steadfastly minded. She was steadfastly minded. She was not given up on this. It was the decision. Uh, this was not a flighty thing for her. She counted the cost. 
She decided that she was going to give it her all. It didn't matter if there was nothing in the future. This was her decision, and she had a total commitment. She had adventure into to, to the unknown because it was unknown. She'd never been there before. She'd never lived like that before. She's never trusted in God before, but here she is. Godly mothers display the constant, the unconditional love that a mother gives. No matter what, no matter how that mom is recognized or even not recognized, it's a commitment that is a total commitment. Her decision to be faithful to her family overrides every desire and every aspiration, every goal in her life. That's a mom. Wow. Fidelity to a home, to a man, to a family, to the Lord, really, for a virtuous woman. That's, that's getting scarce nowadays. Yeah, rare. Her price is far above rubies. See, folks, love is a decision. Commitment is a choice. A mom has a child and decides, I'm going to be in his corner, in her corner. I'm going to be that mom for this one. I'm going to love them unconditionally, and it's a choice. It's just a choice. It's a decision that is made, putting all the chips on the table for all time and not getting them back. That's what a mom does for her family, for her, for her children. Wow. Ruth displayed total commitment. Ruth also displayed unselfish service. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 11. Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me that all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity. Listen, she did all of this because she loved Naomi. She did all of this because of Naomi. That's it. She was... She was uh, giving herself to someone else unselfishly she sacrificed everything to care for Naomi to serve others to leave the comforts of her home what she knew see selfishness is not in the vo- uh, selfishness is not in the vocabulary of a good mother Ambrose Bierce said once sweater is a noun it's a garment worn by a child when its mother is feeling chilly yeah, you know, and that's common, isn't it? A, a mom gives up diet and rest and her figure and nutrition and emotional health, all sacrifice for her family, for her children. When I see, oh boy, when I see the child disrespect their mother, I get angry. I get angry because they disregard the days, the months, the years of unselfish sacrifice for your, for my existence. Can you ever repay your mother? My goodness. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Ruth was a, a woman of unselfish service. She, she was also a woman of disciplined emotion. You remember, we read these verses in chapter 3, Ruth chapter 3, verse 10. Boaz says, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness uh, than in the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. She was not a gold digger. It didn't matter that Boaz was wealthy. Now, he happened to be wealthy, you know, but 
That, that's not what drew, drew her. That was not what, what attracted her to Boaz. Boaz was respectful to her and others around him. He was honest. He was a gentleman. He was kind. He was enterprising. Most of all, she saw that these characteristics were there because of his regard for the Lord. He told her that he was going to follow proper procedure to find God's will. You remember? He says, listen, this is the way that God set things up. And so, you know, listen, this, this might be, there was no commitments until that time. If, you know, God opened the, the, the door up here, then, then is where my decision and, and my efforts will, will kick in. If it was, then he'd pursue. If not, well, then no. See, she didn't allow her heart to be swept away with some foolish, handsome turkey. Her emotions were as in check as his were. What a great match. She had disciplined emotions, which made her to be a virtuous woman. She had total commitment. She had unselfish service, disciplined emotions, and also, and maybe more than anything else, Ruth was considered a virtuous woman because she trusted in the Lord. Look at verse number 16 of chapter 1, Ruth 1.16. She says, I'm going to come after you, and thy God shall be my God. Chapter 2, verse number 12. She says, the, the Lord God of Israel, under this is what was said about her, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. She trusted under the, the wing, the protection, the direction of the Lord. This could be listed first, her trust in the Lord, because it's the most important aspect of her being that colored everything else, all other virtues that she had. It was because she trusted the Lord. Talk about rare. Talk about uncommon today men or women, that truly trust in the Lord. Without her trust in the Lord, she would have never had the rest of that character that she had that was virtuous. See, the Lord was first in her life. The Lord was her trust. The Lord called the shots in her life, and then God, later on, used Ruth to be the great-grandmother to King David in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, did, did God ever honor her? What a... What a, a, a fairy tale. What a Cinderella story. Here was this woman who decided to trust God. Now, folks, listen, pay attention. Remember that Ruth's walk with the Lord was, it only came about because of Naomi's trust in the Lord. She saw Naomi's trust. She saw Naomi's faith from a distance. She didn't have that herself. This is what Naomi had, what Naomi enjoyed, what she shared, what, what her aspiration was. She was going to serve the Lord. She was going to uh, uh, honor the Lord in her life, and that's what Naomi decided. And you know what? It was like a, a shining beacon in a dark land, and she saw that. She said, I want that. I, I want that. Moms, you know what? You trust God. It's the greatest help that you can be to your children that they would learn to love the Lord. They would learn to aspire to God. They would learn to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord. And it's dependent upon your trust in God. Let me ask you, ladies, how is your commitment, your, your service, your emotions, your trust? Are they virtuous? 
That's, that goes for, for all of us. Are they godly? See, a mother really cannot give her children what they need in life outside of setting them, setting up them up spiritually and displaying a walk with God that whets the appetite for the Lord to her kids. I can't do that. And ladies, I'm sorry to say this, but you can't do that. You don't have it. You can never give that to your children. That only comes from the Lord. Trust the Lord, and you then can offer the greatest preparation in life for your children that you can do, not just here and now, but for eternity. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Can you offer the, the, your family the testimony of a virtuous woman? Listen, you can't of yourself, but you can with the Lord. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment. God, I pray that I know the message is directed and we focus upon ladies and women and mothers especially today. But God, this really applies to each and every one of us. Lord, thank you for Naomi's excellent walk with you, her, her shining testimony that drew in a gal from the darkness, Ruth, who saw that and decided that she wanted to serve that same God. She wanted to love the same Lord. She wanted to go the same way that Naomi went because of her testimony. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do the same. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to love you like we should, to have that total commitment, unselfish service, disciplined emotions, a trust in you, Lord, that is above everything, an aspiration to follow you, to obey you more than anything, Lord, a, a love for you that will, will be a beacon to those in darkness. Lord, I pray that you would, you would develop in the ladies here, especially the mothers, Lord, the, to be a virtuous woman, a virtuous mom, a mom that can draw her children, draw her family to, to seek to serve and to love the same Lord that they love. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, for that one that's here without Christ, she can't do it. He can't do it. It's impossible, Lord, to have, to have any lost person to, to try to fulfill, to, to try to put on these shoes. They're, they're too big. They, it doesn't fit. But, Lord, it, you can work with us and through us if we know you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help that one here that's not born again to know that they've got to get born again. They've got to, they've got to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's the, the first base. That's the first step. They cannot be a virtuous woman without that. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that the first thing that we need to do as sinners, we need to bow in repentance, turn from our sin, call on the, the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to, to be ready for that commitment, that, that uh, determination, Lord, uh, that choice. Lord, I pray, and it is a choice. It's a choice whether, we, whether or not we want to be saved and to be a child of God. Lord, it's a choice. Thank you for making it possible that we can be saved. Lord, now I pray that that one that is lost without Christ, Lord, that you bring that one to Christ. Have that to be the first step toward that person becoming a virtuous woman, a virtuous man. Lord, I pray that you just bless. Lord, I pray for the, for the believers here. Lord, I pray that we would live in such a way to be just like Naomi, 
to draw those. Have a testimony. I know everybody's not going to follow. There was Orpah that didn't, but there are Ruths. There are going to be those around us. There are going to be our children that we care for so much. Lord, I pray to help us to, to live our lives, to have that kind of a testimony that would draw others to you. Lord, I pray that you'd draw each one of us close to you right now in this invitation time while we do business with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.